The Low Post is brought to you by Goodyear, helping you discover the road ahead. Goodyear, more driven. Season two of the ESPN Investigates podcast is now available. The Running Man tells the story of an obscure former Olympian and alleged serial sexual predator and how a 14-month ESPN investigation brought him out of the shadows. More than 50 men were physically abused and mentally manipulated by their quote-unquote coach for over 40 years, and they banded together decades later to find justice. Subscribe and listen now to ESPN Investigates wherever you get your podcasts. And now, The Low Post. Welcome to The Low Post podcast on a Monday morning where, I guess, the NBA season is starting in like, I don't know, a week, 10 days, whenever at some point much sooner than a lot of people expected a couple weeks ago, which means the offseason is here and the offseason is going to be like everybody line up for the starting gun and just run really fast for as long as you can. And then you have a new basketball team and you have to start playing basketball games and to digest a lot of this stuff. The guy at our shop who knows the cap the best, who knows the landscape the best, the one and only Bobby Marks. How are you? Hi, Zach. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm gearing up for a, a mad, a mad death. So let's just let's just start there. Let's just do let's just do it. November 18th draft, free agency TBD. I think I think like November 22, 23, somewhere so around there. 72 to 96 hour turnaround between the draft and free agency. By the way, no, don't have a salary cap. No. Don't have, a salary cap. Don't have a salary cap for the following season, which kind of matters when you're trying to spend money uh, with a two- or three-year time horizon. Um, so training camp starts when? December 1st, maybe, right? That Three seems, weeks of training camp? That seems <laughs> wildly aggressive. And then meaningful basketball games that count start December 22nd. By the way, people think free agency is over in like three days. For some players, that's true. There's always like a hundred laggards who are signing two weeks later who then have to like pick up their life and start playing real basketball games that count in the standings like five days after that. Um, Have you, so, so let me ask you this. Have you found anyone who works for a team? And I use that phrase very pointedly, works for a team, i.e. does not own or govern the team, works for a team who thinks that this is, is who is excited about this timetable right now? No. I have not found one. I had a, um, I had a GM text me, and it was early Saturday morning, like seven-ish. I was drinking coffee and basically like W, like what the bank? December 22 and like all question marks, right? Like, like what? And it was like, I guess health and wellness basically has gone out the window, right? Like as far as what we're going to do, as far as back to backs or, um, you know, three and uh, four and five nights, possibly, maybe, I don't know. We'll see what happens with the league schedule. And um, no, there has not been a uh, one person that is gung ho about this. But on the other end, the, the, the person said like, Eventually, we got to get back to a norm from a financial angle. We've got to get back to a normal July to January, a uh, June schedule. And we're all going to have to basically sacrifice big time here to hopefully do that for 2020. This is all about 2021, 22. I mean, this condensed period of time that we're going to go through is about getting back to some type of normalcy. So let's actually just go there then. Uh, and by the way, I got a bundle of the same text. Like I had multiple people call me like, is what you guys reported true? And I'm like, I don't, I'm not in the business of just reporting random stuff. That's not like just stuff. That's not true. Yeah, it's true. Um, December 22nd, I guess that's what they're doing. Um, 
So everyone expects the cap number for this coming season to be 109, flat-ish, close to that, right? And it's it's a complex negotiation that I don't really care to get into the particulars. What about the next season after that, 21-22? Because uh, it's obviously a huge free agency class, um, potentially headlined by the two-time reigning MVP. Teams are going to want to know how much – cap space they have, what the luxury tax is going to be. What are we expecting in terms of guidance on that number before free agency? They, they have to have something, right? Oh, you have to. Yeah, you're going to give – they're going to give a number for 2021, 22. And it's not going to be based off the revenue from 20 to uh, 2020, 21. Because if we, if we did that, then <laughs> it's going to be at a really low number here. But, yeah, I think, you know, when – I'll jump around to two things here regarding 20, uh, this current season, uh, the teams I've talked to have said that the cap will be no lo- lower than one Oh nine, right? Like that is what they've been assured. It'll be no lower than one Oh nine could be one eleven. Now, when it comes to 21, 22 teams are using one fifteen as the number right now. Now I think that's going to be potentially higher because I think revenue for 21 and 22 gets back to some type of normalcy here. Um, and that will certainly have what the league is, um, what the league will pro- use as a projection here. Um, but yeah, 21 and 22 is huge because of the teams with cap space. Um, the Giannis, what we what we don't know what will happen with Giannis um, sweepstakes. Um, all these potential players that could be free agents, the Paul Georges of the world and the Kawhi Leonard's of the world and the Victor Oladipo's. I mean, 21 is loaded with. Um, with uh, free agents. And then it also it has to do with Zach as far as rookie extensions, right? Like the rookie extensions with um, Jason Tatum and Donovan Mitchell and Bam Adebayo, which is like the wild card of free of, of um, rookie extensions, not because we don't know what, he, you know, he's a yeah, certainly a max player, but his free agent hold compared to what his max number is like a $15 million difference. So um, so what, in other words, in English, what you're saying is the heat to preserve cap space for, a star free agent whose name rhymes with Schmanis um, might have might prefer to say, "Bam, hey, wait, we'll pay you the max. We're going to give you all the money we can give you, but just wait." And Bam might prefer to say, "That's cool. Like, I believe you, but like, I want to see it. I want to. I want the money. I want the money. Just give it to me now." And uh, and oh, by the way, they have the same agent. Bam and Giannis have the same agent, which is a wonderful uh, small wrinkle uh, in all of this. Um, well, let's just start going through this offseason because this is what I wanted to do with you. I wanted to went, I went through all my favorite option candidates, player option, team option, all my favorite extension candidates, and I wanted to go through some of them with you. What we think is going to happen. Let's start with the Lakers because when you win the championship, you deserve to lead off the show. And no one has ever complained about too much Lakers content. It's never happened. So the Lakers have five player options for next season. Anthony Davis, KCP, Avery Bradley, JaVale McGee, and Rajon Rondo. I will go through and I will predict to you what I think is going to happen with all of them. Are you ready? Yes, let's go. Anthony Davis opts out of $28.75 million and re-signs with the Lakers on a two plus one, uh, which will carry him back into free agency when he's played 10 seasons and is eligible for the Mega Max. Okay, that's one. Two, KCP opts out of $8.5 million and gets the clutch and deserved, the deserved clutch payday after being maybe their third best player in in the finals when it really mattered and re-signs for something. I penciled in 12. He might he might say 
hey, I see Danny Green making 15.4 next year. That's that's I want that. I want that. So I don't know if 12 is maybe pessimistic for KCP. Avery Bradley opts in to $5.005 million. That's a dicey one. You can tell me if I'm right or wrong. JaVale McGee opts in to $4.2 million. Rondo has already reportedly decided to opt out, which is opting out of the minimum. Of course, he's going to opt out of that because the minimum is the floor that you can sign for. Um, So those are my predictions. I want to hear if you think I'm right. And if my predictions are about right, the Lakers will have about $127 million in committed salary, um, including their draft pick and some veteran minimums and other assumptions I made. And then we can talk about why the luxury tax number is so critical to their chances of of repeating next season. So what do you think of my predictions? I think you're right on. I think with AD, I think you could probably make the argument maybe a one-and-one right? As far as kind of going the KD route. And I, I only say that because what, by doing a, a one-on-one, which is, you know, a player option for 21-22, is that what happens if there is a free agent out there and then all of a sudden LeBron, who also has a player option, both these guys opt out and maybe they take a little bit less out there from a salary standpoint to fit in a max type salary. So I only say the one-on-one route, but I think, yeah, you can make the, the two, the two, the three-year contract with a player option because then he's the 35% of the cap in 2022. KCP, I think he's going to opt out. I think he's probably going to look at what Danny Green earned and said, hey, I'd like that salary too. Um, but I think his range is probably on a one-year and at 12 to $13 million range. So I it's, think so funny. On- it's so funny how that happens with guys on the same team. Like I'll bet you Bogdan Bogdanovich, who's good and is going to have – an enormous number of suitors, both the teams with cap space and teams that would love to trade with him, looks at Buddy Heald's number and was like, well, well I, I, you guys decided to start me over that dude. Like, I, that dude's coming off the bench. Jason Jones of The Athletic is reporting that that, that dude's not even returning text messages from our coach. Like, how about you pay me the same amount as that guy? And first of all, Buddy Heald, just return the text messages, my man. You're coming off the bench earning $20 million. Give my buddy Luke Walton a text reply. That's all. That's one of my biggest pet peeves, Zach. Nobody, you don't, nobody responds to your text messages, but um, yeah, it is funny that guys line each other up as far as what they are in the previous year when you go into free agency. But yeah, I think 12 to 13 for KCP. I agree with you on JaVale McGee. I think he will opt into 4.2 because I think he's a probably a minimum guy. So he'd be losing no brainer a, a one five and he would lose Avery Bradley's interesting just because it's the $5 million number. I just think opting in, um, you know, there is such a priority with the exceptions this year, right? I mean, there's only four teams really that have cap space and teams are going to prioritize their nine, three exception or their tax mid level at five, seven or their room mid level. And I just don't see Avery Bradley getting more than what he current will earn in, in, um, in no, so, so the baby mid level, um, that the tax teams that most teams spend because they're afraid of, of, the big mid level is like was 5.7 and change yeah. this year. So if Avery Bradley thinks he's getting that, you could argue he should opt out to get that. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, because you know the rules better than I do. The Lakers are probably, if they want him on their team, are probably rooting that he opts in because they don't have any kind of bird rights on him, right? They basically yeah, can't pay him. Yeah, okay. 120% off his 2019-20 contract. So you're probably looking at, 
I guess that, that, I like, guess that, yeah. I guess it doesn't matter to them. I guess yeah, back either way. Okay. Yeah, and that's even the same point with so Rondo saying, "I agree, he's going to opt out. It's the minimum. He at the worst, you know, he can get the minimum on the on the table." The interesting with Rondo is though he's got early bird rights, right? So he's this is um, he's been on that roster for two years, um, so he can sign up to the average player salary. Right, it's about ten, right, and they wouldn't have to use their part of their um, mid-level exception. The problem with with early bird rights is that it's got to be for a minimum of two years. So that's kind of where, and without a you know you know options aside, you, you know it doesn't include the options. So that's the thing is like, do you want to commit two years to Rajon Rondo? That's the big question there, and I don't. For me, I don't think you do. Right, here, like, here's here's my answer. If LeBron comes and tells me to commit two years to Rajon Rondo because the dude just kicked ass in the finals, I'm like, you know what, Bron? Great idea. I was thinking otherwise. I was th- I was thinking otherwise, but you know what? I, th- I think that's a good idea. I think you're I think you're spot on. Um, so okay, um, let's let's work with me here, Bobby, because to explain to people why this stuff matters. Okay, luxury tax uh, was projected at one thirty nine million. Okay, one hundred thirty nine million. Um, no one knows if, I, I guess we don't know if they're just going to keep the luxury tax at that projection or keep it at what it was at this year, which is at 132 million. Yeah. This matters enormously to the Lakers, not because they need to avoid the tax and they're, you know, oh my gosh, the financial, and they're Lakers. They make, they're, they're fine. Um, uh, it, it, people are very curious. Can the Lakers use the big mid-level exception, which is worth about $10 million a year to get a real player who can make a difference to help their team. And the rule is, if I understand it correctly, if you use the big boy, if you use the big mid-level exception, or really anything that's a dollar above the baby mid-level exception, you are prohibited from spending any more than about $6 million above the luxury tax. So if you're at 132 as the luxury tax, that means you can't spend more than like 138, 139. If the luxury tax is there, the Lakers, I don't think, are going to be able to use the big boy mid-level exception. If the luxury tax is up where they had projected it when the world was not going down in flames, oh, the world was already going down in flames, but just a new kind of flame happened. Um, if the luxury tax is up at 139 so you can spend up to 145 they get the big boy mid-level exception. And the big boy mid-level, you can split it up. You can do lots of things with it. Like They'll get players, like really meaningful players at that number. Am, am I doing all of that right? You're right on it. You get an A for CBA language. I mean, yeah. I mean, basically, once you use more than 5.7 of your exception, you will trigger the hard cap, right? That is, that's going to, that's what it is. And that is that $6 million um, apron that you had just mentioned there. So the teams you talk to, they are all lobbying for that higher tax number. They want 139. If you're the if you're the players association, you want 139. You want teams to spend money. You want the apron to be 145 so the Lakers can use the full mid-level. So the Rockets can use the full mid-level. So the Pacers, I mean we can go on a list of list of teams here. Um but it's yeah. Did you think the Pacers are going to use the full mid-level to spend like way over way over the luxury tax or something like that? Uh, yeah, no. I I, I they're not one of my teams I'm even projecting. 
use most of their mid-level here. I think certainly for the Rockets that, um, you know, that will ben- would benefit because they're pressing. Even Milwaukee, right? Milwaukee's going to be, based on what they do at Ilyasova's non-guaranteed, they're going to be pressed up against that 132 number two. So now we all of a sudden like, well, Giannis wants the ownership to spend. Well, you're going to be restricted on what you can spend if the luxury tax apron is at one thirty nine. So yes, going back. So who's to rooting? Look, who's rooting against it then? Like probably, who's rooting for nobody? Okay, so this yeah, is going to happen. Yeah, then. yeah the four teams. The four teams probably with cap space: Atlanta and Charlotte and Detroit. Like they probably saying, "No, we want it at one thirty two. We're going to get more money back from." Right. Uh, Those we, are the teams rooting against it because the more taxes that get paid, the more the teams underneath the tax they get all that money. So that's yep. more money for them. Yep. That's who. Uh, that's who would be rooting against it. And and so, I mean, if, if the Lakers have the full win level to spend, we've seen LeBron's teams draw. I mean, people call them ring chasers, or whatever. Like they're going to get in this market. That's going to uh, LeBron in Los Angeles is going to get real players and 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 really help their team. And I also think, I mean, from what I've heard, I think the Lakers are going to do their very best to see what they can get via trade too. And they don't have a ton to trade because they gave all their picks to the Pelicans. But, you know, Kuzma's still there. Danny Green's salary is important. And I think, you know, Danny Green has become this guy where when he's rolling, he kind of feels like an essential 3 and D guy. And when he goes on a cold streak like he has in the past couple finals, he feels like, well, why are we relying on this guy? I, I think they'll sniff around and see what they can finagle, if anything. Um, I mean, just like any team would do, due diligence, right? I mean, I don't have any hard reporting on that, but it would just make sense to me. And certainly teams are expecting them to do that. Yeah, and I think when you when you said that they're going to have a, um, a market of free agents, I think what's important is that here's a, an important stat. Last year, $1.1 billion was spent for the 2019-20 season alone, right, for free agency. That was for July and August. This year we're projecting $450 million, right? So the market, as much as we want to say – yeah, of course, if Davis Bertans resigns in Washington or Fred Van Vliet, yeah, they're going to probably get a, a nice number. But what happens if, if, if Serge Ibaka wants to go out to, let's say, the Lakers for the mid-level exception and wants to take a one-year number and you take a potential pay cut? There's going to be – Danilo Gallinari is another name. Like what happens if there's not a market for him or if the market's just Atlanta, Charlotte, and Detroit and Oklahoma City goes in a different direction – then that is where that full mid-level comes into play. The NFL schedule drops this week, and you could be there to catch all the action live and in person with Vivid Seats experience every touchdown, every tackle, every eye-popping play of your favorite team. And to kick it off, Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code LOW. That's code LOW, L-O-W-E, my last name, the name of this podcast. Download the app or visit vividseats.com today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Let's talk about um, 
Giannis because you know we talk about extensions. That's the one that everybody wants to know about the supermax. I've already said that I would bet against him signing it this summer. Um, could be wrong. Like I think there's still optimism in some corners of the Bucks organization that maybe he will sign it this summer, and that would be a coup for them. And again, there's an argument that you know when someone offers you 250 million dollars, you should just take it. And you know if you're unhappy a couple years later, demand a trade. Just take the money. Um, I do think it's in, there's an interesting quirk that I haven't heard talked about a lot that there's a lot of guys that are eligible for extensions all the time. A lot of veterans that are eligible for extensions that started, you know, varying amounts depending on what their salary is. A lot of those guys can sign those extensions anytime they want. So Monty Morris, for instance, uh, uh, can go Gary Trent Jr. can go into the season, can be 40 games into the season. And we've seen this. I think Dylan Brooks was the last guy to do this and sign a multi-year extension with their team anytime they want. Giannis, Giannis is super max. It's a hard deadline. He either signs it before the season starts or he doesn't sign it at all until the following offseason. I, I, I take me like I, I think I get why that's the rule, why the rule is different for him. Like if he doesn't sign it before the start of the regular season, he's just not signing it, period, until the end of the season. I, I, I kind of I initially felt like that's a little bit unfair to the Bucks. Like, why should one class of player be able to sign an extension anytime they want? And the Bucks, let's say they start 25 and 2. Can't go to Giannis and be like, see, we spent, our team is awesome. You want to just sign now? They can't do it. Um, I I understand why, but it there is a little dissonance there. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think I think the league and the PA missed something here, Zach, when they did that CBA in 2017 and they negotiated the Supermax and the deadline. I, I understand. If you are a player who had earned Supermax criteria um, to sign an extension now that you have a um, – that day before the, la- the regular season starts. and But for the case of Giannis, who has earned it, not just this offseason, but has already met the criteria for 2021-22 when he'll become a free agent. Giannis could backpack around Europe the whole season – and be eligible to sign the Supermax regular old contract, not an extension because his deal would be up. Yeah. A super. This is what Steph Curry did, yeah. except for the backpacking part. And like he's already qualified. He doesn't need to do anything else. There's no like, oh, if he does this this season, he's already qualified. Yeah, and that's why I thought if you if you qualify already for two years for this offseason next year, then you should have the that window should be open. Right, that window should go towards the end of the regular season, like let's say June 30 before the moratorium starts that, that you should be able to do that. You don't have to wait until next off season. I think that would have been the right, I would have made sense for everyone. Like, why are we restricting that player who's already met the criteria in back-to-back years? So here's why um, uh, they don't, they, when they were negotiating this deal from what I was told by people all over, all over this, that they decided we don't want, this this to hover during the season like players of this caliber like no one is going to ask George Niang all year long are you signing your extension are you signing your extension no one's going to ask Monty Morris or whoever okay but Giannis every single game is going to be asked if if it were allowed hey the Bucks are 10 and 0 what do you think hey oh two game losing streak does that affect your thinking like where are you at today and they decided that's bad for the NBA and also you know, that scenario I outlined where what if the Bucks are 25 and two and Giannis and just wakes up one day and says, I love this team. I'm in a good mood. We're on a 15 game winning streak. Let's do it. 
I think there's a fair argument to be made by the union and agents that that's actually bad, that a player during the season is less able to step back and really think big. Like there's a game tomorrow. There's a game two days after that, blah, blah, blah. Like that, that I, I get that argument. I just, if I do feel like the Bucks are, there's a, that little quirk disadvantages them a little bit, but I'm not sure that I should really care about that from their standpoint as much as I think. I, I get the reasons why it's not allowed, but if I were the Bucks, I would not be thrilled about it. No, I mean, they're all valid. I get it. Like, you don't want this lingering, you know, throughout the whole season. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's just, it, so Giannis basically gets lumped in with the rookie extension guys and also guys who are veteran extension that have two years left on their contract. So those three categories are the, are lumped into the day before the uh, regular season starts everyone else, as you mentioned um, the Devante Grams and the Monty Morris's and the Gary Trent's you can do it throughout the whole season, right up into the end of the year. That's a, the two years out thing is an important note. So just to give you one example, Zach Levine in theory is eligible for an extension already from the bulls, but because he has two years left on his current contract, he'd have to sign that extension before the season starts. There's a bunch of guys like that. Let's turn to some more options. Ready? Yep. Gordon Hayward, yeah. player option, $34 million. And you, when it's that high, you have to say the mil- like million <laughs> for Gordon Hayward. Million. Um, pre-pandemic, I think people underestimated the chances that he was going to opt out of that. Okay? Like I was – it was on my radar that like remember, it, it's like not unreasonable. It's a huge number. Not unreasonable he opts out for whatever reason, okay? Pandemic hit, and I exited out. So he's not opting out. You can't opt out of $34 million. It's $34 million. Like, we don't know what the hell the world's going to look like in two weeks or eight eight days or whatever the timetable you choose uh, here. Um, over the weekend, our old friend Ian Begley reported some interest in Indiana in trading for Gordon Hayward. And I will say there is just that that – report from Ian. I haven't spoken to the Pacers about it. I can't speak to its veracity. I trust Ian's reporting. It did hit a little bit of the zeitgeist, a mini zeitgeist of like, there's some buzz out there and I can't figure out what the buzz means, but the buzz that I'm hearing and the buzz that I'm hearing is like the smoke, the smoke indicating that something is happening. I'm not sure what's up, but I don't think it's a lock that Gordon Hayward is on the Celtics next year, whether that involves him opting out or whether that involves him opting in and Boston trading him. I don't know what is going to happen. The simplest solution remains that he opts in and Boston really likes Gordon Hayward. They think he's a really important part of their team and decide, and says, hey, you opted in. We're keeping you. We don't want to trade you for player X, Y, and Z that we can go through now. That's still the simplest route. But something is mildly afoot here. Um, so take us through what the situation really kind of is and how it could work from a team, from like a real team mechanics perspective. Yeah, and I think what his agent Mark Barlstein is doing right now is canvassing the league. He's doing the Al, Al Horford plan, right? Like last year, Al Horford, we didn't like Al Horford opting out of thirty million dollars. We're like, well, I don't know, and then he did, and we're like, well, he's got a home somewhere. I think if you, there's a lot of different ways we can look at it here. If Mark Bartlestein can find a home for Gordon Hayward where he can get a four-year, $100 million contract, and he is taking $8 million less this year, knowing that he's got $75 million guaranteed in years two to four, 
And by the way, $8 million less this year is not going to be really $8 million because of how much player salary is going to be right. shoved away from them into escrow anyway. That's right. Um, then he That is something that is going to be realistic here. So now you're thinking like, well, who are those teams? Now we know the teams with cap space and it's Atlanta, Charlotte, Detroit, New York. I, I think Atlanta is a wild card in this whole offseason here as far as adding guys, veteran guys, trying to kind of accelerate the rebuild a little bit now. And how does Gordon Hayward fit in there at a $24, $25 million number? Because they've got the cap space to do it. I mean, they've, they, they're in their position, not just this year, for, but for next year also here. So yeah, I think they are, they are yearning, Bobby, yearning. They yearn like George Costanza yearns. They are yearning to get into the playoffs next year. Yep. They are like that number six pick. I, I don't know what they're going to do with it, but I know that one of the things that they have explored doing with it, as any team would do, again, is where can we get a, Can we turn this into a veteran who helps our team? Not saying that that's a Gordon Hayward trade trip. I'm just saying they are yearning to get better next season and he would make them better. Yeah, no, you're right. And I think, you know, you mentioned there's the cleanest way is just to opt in, right? 34 7, you opt in for the year, but then that leaves you exposed, right? Like you could be traded, like you don't have a no trade clause. You could be traded anywhere, right? Like you, you don't have your pick as far as where you're going. You could tell that team, hey, we're well, not going to resign with you, but I mean, teams are we're willing to, to take you on and hopefully you can convince you for the year. I think. The other way, the third way is is to um, the sign and trade route, right? You're opting out of that and you're going to have to know. I mean, you're having a, basically an agreement in place before you opt out of that, that you are opting out of that contract and you are going to get signed and traded to, let's, for example, let's say Indiana, right? And it's potentially, let's say Miles Turner and um, I don't know. Some you know, stuff. TJ Leaf. Yeah, you know, like just like a you know filler there. So you get a I think yeah. Indiana needs to go the other way and find a fourth TJ. I don't think they should trade any of their TJs. I think McConnell, Warren, Leaf, is there another TJ? Is there a TJ in the draft? I think they need to go the other way and trade for Drew Holiday somehow. Four TJs and three holidays should be the goal. That'd be a nice Christmas song, right? That would have a little rhythm to it. But um, but yeah, I mean, so you're looking at the sign and trade route and that's like, that would be so. It's almost like the same thing as signing with the Pacers with cap space. But the difference is that Indiana is actually giving up, has to give up somebody to take back Hayward. That all, that comes back to like, well, how we started this podcast, the hard cap, right? Like, so teams that are acquiring a player in a sign and trade now become hard capped. So if you are the Indiana Pacers, you are hoping that that luxury tax comes in at 139. So the hard caps at 145, and it gives you that breathing room there for that. So um, those are the different. Those are going to be the different options. But basically, Zach, it's like a process of elimination for Gordon, right? Like you kind of you can take the twenty nine teams and you just whittle it down. You you put it into the teams with cap space. You team you put it into teams that would basically be eliminated. Like Golden State is eliminated, I think, from the Gordon Hayward chase because of the hard cap. Right? We don't know that there is a Gordon Hayward chase. I, <laughs> like we don't know that any of this is happening. I'm just saying that there's a little bit of buzz, and Ian Begley hit on it, I think, um, last week. So, so let's just play the game theory, okay? And again, I don't know that any of this is relevant, but if if he if he wanted to leave, or if he just whatever for whatever reason, Atlanta looms is important at least in a, as a stalking horse because it, you if you if he wants to opt in and get traded, 
you need to convince the Celtics that your other alternative is I opt out and I have a place that I'm actually willing to sign. And most of these teams, if you care about winning in the next couple of years, are poo-poo. Okay, so but Atlanta, you know, I mean, they're exciting. They're up and coming. They have Trey Young. I don't know. I just don't know if this is real. But you need to convince Boston I have a home if I opt out. Um, so if I'm opting in, it's under the condition that you trade me to destinations X, Y, and Z. Again, I'm not reporting this is happening. I'm just saying the game theory, that's one way it could work and how Atlanta could be important. Yeah, I mean, and, and basically what the, the message from the agent is, is that to Boston is that we're going to sign with a team like Atlanta. You will le- lose him for nothing, and you won't have – you basically become – you, co- you go under the luxury tax – and you get your nine point three million dollar exception, but that's basically it. That's that's the that will be um, the consequences here. Where if you're the Celtics, you're saying, "Well, wait a minute. Like, how can we? How can it help us also, and not lose that player um, for zero? So, if you're the agent, you've got a team with cap space, and then you also have a team that's willing to take him on if it's a signing trade. And you've got now you've got you're guaranteeing that player seventy five million dollars for the last three years of the contract. Just because it was fun, I went through some fake Gordon Hayward trades on the condition that he opts in um, or in this situation that he opts in. Can I throw you some fake Gordon yeah. Hayward trades? Uh, the Indiana one you've already got. The problem is the problem with the Indiana one from Boston's perspective, the one that Ian Begley speculated on, which involved Miles Turner going to Boston, is that once Tatum gets his extension, Tatum plus Brown plus Kemba – for the next couple of seasons is just, that's like $90 million by itself. And so you add another $20 million player in there, it becomes pretty onerous for Boston. And, um, you know, Hayward, at least if he opts in, they have the, they have the option of just sort of wiping their hands of it because he's an expiring contract after the season and trying to replace him at a lower dollar value amount. By the way, the same thing is happening in, in a couple other places, but places that just haven't won a lot. Like, does Indiana have the appetite to pay Brogdon, Oladipo, Sabonis, Turner, and then maybe Warren somewhere down the line? I'm not sure they really do. And that's that's one of the reasons why I think there's been so much focus on Indiana as a pivotal offseason team, right? There's been reports by other people, reports about Oladipo and Turner being some degree of in the ether, whether they're unhappy or Indiana's unhappy or whatever it is. Um, and I think you look at Sacramento too. We can talk about all this stuff. Does Sacramento, De'Aaron Fox is up for an extension too. Does Sacramento want to pay healed 20 something Bogdanovich, whatever he gets Fox uh, will ask for a max. Surely I would, if I were his agent uh, Bagley in a couple of years. Of, oh, by the way, Harrison Barnes is still making $20 million. Like, and that team has made the playoffs zero times since dinosaurs roamed the earth. And do you really want to pay a hundred plus? Like, I think there's going to be some teams who are looking at like, Oh my, like, like, can we trade? I just think teams are going to be looking to say, can we take two of those guys and turn them into one guy or something like that? Yeah. It's almost like you, the one thing you don't want to do is have one of your guys that you want become a cap casualty on mistakes that you have made, or maybe not mistakes, maybe overpays from um from before and yeah i mean in boston i mean the salaries are just you know that's the benefit of drafting well when you got jason tatum and jalen brown and then all of a sudden you got to give tatum a max and and browns on a close to a a max and then you got kemba on a max and now you're taking back miles turner on 20 million dollars i mean that's like 
you know, that's the appetite that you have to have when it, and we don't even know what the luxury tax in 2021 is going to be. So that's the appetite that you're, you're going to have, but you're right. There's a lot of teams like that where the rookie extensions, when you have a player on a rookie contract, it's great for the first four years. I mean, it's, you're making four to 5 million. Some guys are making eight to nine, but you basically you're tripling that number and then when you compound it with Sacramento, with those salaries, with with uh, Bogdanovic and uh, Heald and Barnes, and we'll see what happens in Bagley, then it makes it, it forces you to pick which players you want to keep here. A trade package that I'm paying attention to, just because in theory it makes a lot of sense, is Sacramento doing something with the combination of Harrison Barnes, Rashawn Holmes, and something else, like a future first-round pick or something, to get – I mean, this was my theoretical, like, Hayward trade for them was something built around that. I don't think you'd put Bagley in that deal. I think the Kings are still trying to see what they have in Bagley. This is my theoretical, like, what if Rudy Gobert becomes available trade, which I'm not sure that he will at any point, but, like, something like that. And I will say this, like, there's this idea that Harrison Barnes is just toxic, like the salary is just a toxic deal and all that. Look, I think Harrison Barnes on a good team – is a useful player and his salary declines from like 22 to 19 to 17, nine or 18, two or something like that. Like it's not that terrible of a contract if he's in the right role, because if he's in in the right role, like this is like, he's a, he's a four who can play some, who can guard, he can guard multiple positions. He's big. He shoots the three spot up threes pretty well. The problem with Harrison Barnes in Dallas and at some points in Sacramento is just, he's been asked to do too much offensively. Um, I just think like that he's a decent basketball player that has been wrong it, it, through almost no fault of his own, been viewed as like this toxic asset. And I could see the Kings floating a package like that out there to see what they could get for it. Yeah, it's it's basically when you make that type of money and you're right. I mean, the contract um, goes down, uh, you know, 18-3 and 18-4 in the last year of that contract. When you're on a contract like that and you're on a lottery team, right? basically you become exposed, right? Like you become exposed where if he was on a um, Denver or one of these, you know, uh, playoff teams, um, you know, the Clippers, yeah, I mean, it's still a high number, but now he becomes a complementary part to your, either your starting lineup or your, or coming off your bench. You're not relying on him to be your number two or probably even your number three guy. Um. I just think that's something I'm watching. Here are a couple places that I liked for Hayward. There's People will throw the Hayward for Andre Drummond trade out ad nauseum. Boston is not doing that trade. Okay, this is a, a Gordon Hayward's just – in 2020, Gordon Hayward is just significantly better than Andre Drummond, and they're both on expiring contracts. But what if you threw in Jetty Osmond and a draft asset that the teams will haggle over, so I won't even speculate what the protections would be or anything like that. I think you're getting to the point where, okay, Boston, there's been all this endless noise that I frankly think has been overblown a little bit about how Boston needs a center. Boston needs a center. Boston needs a center. Um, Well, okay, now Andre Drummond is is a center who can do some things despite what I just said. Plus you get a couple other useful things. Like that's interesting. The other one I really liked, I really like the fit of Hayward in Portland. If I could make a deal with Portland that worked and and Ariza – plus Hood, plus Zach Collins, doesn't quite get the salaries there to the level that's legal, but it's close. And and, and then I, if I'm Boston, I'm probably 
because Ariza is going to be gone from me next year. Hood might be gone from me next year. I'm really just trading for Collins, and I have to be really bullish on Collins as probably my future five to make that deal, or maybe someone can play with Time Lord. Uh, I might have to get a draft asset along, maybe a protected first round pick or something along with that. I, I like. I think that's an inter- that's an interesting one, but I couldn't make it work, Bobby. I couldn't crunch. I couldn't crunch the old numbers. Well, it works when if you did the sign and trade route. It oh, works. It does work if you have if you have Hayward at like let's say twenty five. Oh, I sign him 20, for less. Yeah, yeah. Let's say you have him at twenty five, and you add you know with those, you know, with Hood at six and Collins at five four, and then Ariza at twelve eight, and Ariza contract would have to become guaranteed now to make you know to make the money work. Um, you're there. I mean, that's just a matter of it the, from the sign and trade, and, and I think you'd still Portland would still be all right from the hard cap. Um, with that flexibility there from uh, opting in at 34 and change. Yeah. You're going to have, I think you got to, what did I tell you? You got to get to about 28 million there. So you're a little bit short there, but yeah, from a sign in trade and remember signing trades, it's got to be a minimum of three years on a deal. First year has got to be guaranteed. So anything after that, you could finagle how you want to protect the money. Um, but from a sign in trade, if you know, you can make the money work on those three guys. I don't really know. I need to do some canvassing on what the league at large thinks of Zach Collins because I was really excited to see him play this year after how I, I thought he was really essential for them in the playoffs um, to, in 2019, whenever the hell that was. Uh, he only played 11 games this year due to injury. He had the shoulder thing and, and I think something else I'm forgetting. I was really intrigued with him coming into the season. And if he can get that three to a point where it's – He's never going to be like, you know, an elite three point shooter, but like I can make, if I can be Brooke Lopez or something like then it becomes, he becomes a really interesting player. And I could just see Portland, you know, Gary Trent really emerged from the playoffs. I I think Gary Trent's really good. Is he big enough to be my starting three? Is that, is that, is that, you know, is that enough? Am I getting in in a West that is going to be an absolute bloodbath next year? We're like the Portland's not even guaranteed to make the playoffs next year, let alone, get deep into the playoffs. Um, is that, do I have enough juice that way? And if I can get Hayward, you know, I can play Hayward some at the four with Trent at the three, I can start Hayward and, you know, some somehow find another power forward in Nurkic. I, I just feel like Portland has a move to make. I also wonder if like they've been linked, they've been linked mostly through speculation, frankly. I don't know how real it's ever been. Um, I, I'm not convinced it's really ever been that real, frankly, but they've been linked a lot to Aaron Gordon. And the CJ McCollum for Aaron Gordon fake trade has been an NBA Twitter favorite. I don't see them ever. I don't think that was ever even like remotely real. I don't think that was ever. I don't think there was a phone call in which that was discussed in any real way. But I wonder if Gordon's value has dipped to the point. I do think it has dipped despite a nice run after the all-star break for him. If it's gotten to the point where, again, you got to be a big believer in Zach Collins or Anthony Simons or somebody like that. If Portland could get him without trading one of their one of either Dame obviously CJ or Nurkic. I, I, I like that. I just think Portland has a move to make that makes their team click a little bit for next season, and I think it's they need to click a little bit with with, with given how good the West is going to be next season. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's almost taken what we talked about Hayward. It's, it's Zach Collins and in a reason probably you got to give him a, you got to probably give him a pick, right? I mean, that money works there, and and you're right. I mean, if this Portland team. Hey, they're not guaranteed. Not in the Western Conference, they're not guaranteed anything. With the, if this whole roster um, returns, and we don't know what's going to happen with Whiteside or in Carmelo, um, 
you know, you, we'll see where what, what Rodney Hood's timeline is from that Achilles um, that he had there. Um, and But you do get a full year of, of Nurkic that you're not guaranteed to be in the top eight here. So what are the two pieces or one piece that can go out and get you something? And if you remove Lillard and McCollum and likely Nurkic off the board, your best available asset after that is Zach Collins. And the Anthony, Anthony Simons disappointed, I think, last year. I still think there's potential there. Portland still likes him, and they should. But he's not the sort of golden jewel that they conceived that he might be at this point a year ago. Um, I don't know that anything's happening with Gordon Hayward. Again, I, I should make that clear. I just it, There's just been some ether, some buzz in the ether, and Ian Begley's report kind of blew that up uh, on Friday. Shout out to Ian. Um, and I think – it's just something that I would be monitoring um, and will continue to monitor. But again, the simplest solution is Boston really thinks Gordon Hayward is good, and he is. The simplest solution is he opts into $34 million, and they say, okay, you're on our team this year. We'll figure out the rest later. Let's see how the year goes. Um, and, you know, could go one way or, or the other. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge, and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call or click Granger.com or just stop by. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training just in time for summer and warmer days. It's also the best time of the year to take a new look at your fitness routine, dial it up a notch, and continue powering on Peloton's varying class lengths were designed with your personalized training in mind. Whether you'd like to add a 10-minute course session at the end of your strength class or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance, Peloton classes help you focus on your needs and goals. They are also made to challenge you with a variety of classes like boot camps, boxing, okay? full body strength, marathon training, all created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you already excel in. Peloton's expert coaches and nonstop vibes, hashtag vibes, will push you to new levels of strength and endurance, keeping you on your toes while giving you the professional coaching you need. And with a wide variety of options, whether you prefer to run outdoors, row, or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Get your head start on summer with Peloton at onepeloton.com. That's onepeloton.com. There are two guys that I want to talk a little bit about. Um, why don't we go with Rudy Gobert eligible for the Supermax this summer. That's a lot of money yeah. for Rudy Gobert. Friend of the program, John Hollinger said it would be quote unquote nutso <laughs> for Utah to pay Rudy Gobert the Supermax. The only thing I would say about that though, Zach is with the Supermax. And I think it's kind of, we, we always think it's like, Oh, it's gotta be 35. It, it, yes. It's gotta be five years, right. An additional up, you know, five years, um, in the contract, but it doesn't have to be the full 35%, right? Like you can go 32% and work your way down and be creative and do all that stuff. You don't have to just say, here's 240 million, take it. Like there's a ways to get, you know, of course you got to have his agent sign off on it, but there's ways to, to go about, you know, being creative as far as with that 35% number. It's a very good point. And I think it hits it. What I think is the most likely outcome is that the two sides find a contract that works for them. And maybe that maybe I'm maybe I'm being Pollyannish about it. Maybe Utah is going to be just super cold and calculating and say let's let's see what we can get. And but I just you know, this is a team it, Gobert's only 27. It's not like he's it's not like he's, you know, this this contract whatever length it is is going to take him right perfect timing, right through his prime. He's still a top 10 defense almost unto himself. 
I think the degree to which he's been quote unquote played off the court in the playoffs has been wildly exaggerated T- to me, the limitations in his game that I'm more concerned about are on offense. Uh, not, not, I'm not concerned about, Oh, he gets played off the court by AD at the five, this and that, like, yeah, I'll deal with that in the playoffs. It's the offensive limitations that are, are more constricting to me and the kind of players I can put around him, which is why I think Utah just went all in with shooting around him uh, last season, which I thought was smart. I just think they're going to say, look, we've won one playoff series in in post Gordon Hayward, which is good. But like we just haven't sort of we've been this nice team. Everyone's excited about it every year. We make all these smart moves. It just hasn't amounted to much. And maybe it would have this year had Bogdanovich been healthy. OK, but I just think they're going to say, I don't think we're hungry to take you know, trading Rudy almost no matter what is going to be a step back. I don't think we're psyched about taking a step back. I bet they I bet they can find a deal here. That's my prediction. I again, these are just predictions. This is not like I'm 70% certain or anything like that. I just think that that seems the likeliest outcome. And what's interesting with Rudy is that although there's a deadline as we talked with Giannis about that, you know, the day before the, the regular season starts on an on an ex, a Supermax extension, he's also extension eligible for 120% off his number, which is 26 million so whatever that's probably about 30 million right so yeah you, so you can season. you know you just can't do the full five years you can add an up to a four year another four, additional four years so you have the whole year to kind of work that out if you're if you feel like you've kind of you're up against the clock uh you know especially how this is going to go and if the deadline let's say is december 21st you have you know the next five or five or six months to get a deal done for a regular extension with him that makes a lot of sense um I also think all of the, every almost all of these things we're talking about are connected to Giannis because t- to me one of the more obvious not obvious but one of the destinations that if you look at it in a certain light makes sense for Rudy Gobert is Dallas. I actually don't think I would do it if I were Dallas even even separate um from the Giannis cap space thing preserving cap space for us. I I still don't think I would do it unless the price came to I I just don't I think Porzingis is going to have to play a lot of center. So I just don't think I would do it, but they're a team that people nominate as a go bear team, right? Screen and roll with uh, Luca stabilize a defense that was slightly below average and, and kind of was their undoing against the Clippers. I, I get it. Um, I just don't know that I would do it even separately from the honest thing, but given the honest thing, they have to be careful with their cap space. And so like, if he were to take himself off the board, if Giannis takes himself off the board by signing that supermax, then I think Dallas is a team where that, where a deal like that, not necessarily for Gobert, but something that eats into their cap space becomes a lot more likely. Yeah. Because let, let's face it. Like realistically, when you look at 2021 free agents, I mean, the likelihood is that most of these guys are going to go back to their same, the, the, the Paul George, unless things really implode in, in Los Angeles, like Paul George and, and Kawhi Leonard forced their way to the team they wanted to play for. Um, aid, um, LeBron in LA, like those three, you know, with those three guys, they, they likely will not be free agents unless things get really haywire here. So it, the market starts to shrink a little bit as far as what the players are. And when you have, 30 to 30 million dollars burning in your in your pocket and you've got Luca up for a rookie under still under his rookie scale contract which in and doesn't start until 2022 for his, ex, his extension then you are going to be an aggressive route and that's the big question now is go can go bear and Porzingis play together I mean they could there's no question yeah. they could. I mean KP's played a lot with with screen and dive guys is it's just is that the optimal way to spend 
you know, $60 million combined, you know, it's in a fight in a league of finite resources. I just don't think that it is. Um, and, and, and screen and dive guys have done amazing under Rick Carlisle. I mean, he's a magician with Dwight Powell and Tyson Chandler and on and on. If you could solid measure, had moments there, if you could screen and dive, Rick, Rick's going to make use of you. Uh, but Porzingis could do that too, if he wants. Um, and so I, I, that's just not where I'm going. Uh, interesting player option. I want your prediction, Bobby Marks. Evan Fournier, player option, $17.1 million. Opt-in. I have him as a $12 to $14 million player. Um, he's a good player. I just don't see the market. I don't see Atlanta paying up. Um, I don't see um, Charlotte. Um, would, would New York take a swing on him? Um, Detroit, uh, it's, it's hard for me to – to see a non um, one of these cap space teams going out and how aggressive do you think the Pistons are going to be because they've been most often linked to Fred VanVleet. Yeah, they need a point guard. Toronto's right there. Both cities are cold. Obviously, the Raptors are going to be. God only knows where they're actually going to play next year. Um, what's your vibe on how Detroit is going to spend its cap space? Yeah, I think my vibe is is that they're looking at a prime opportunity with a not many teams that they are competing against to take advantage of it, where if they don't do anything, right, if they take a conservative approach, then what happens is in 2021, now we got like 12 teams, right? 13 teams maybe with cap space. Now they're just, now they're in this big, you know, this, this big font, this big pond of, you know, all these fishes here. And, um, you know, if you, if you listen to what the, co- if you're, if and it's, this is a hard thing with Dwayne Casey is that, I don't know if Dwayne Casey is built <laughs> for a major retooling where you're basically going to keep on preserving cap space year in year out. Like eventually you, he, you get, you know, you get tired of that and you, you know, want, you want to win now, or at least a playoff now mode, I think. But then you have Blake, right? Blake is the wild card here. Um, I mean, if you have a healthy Blake Griffin and if you can go out and get Fred Van lead and, We'll see what happens with Christian Wood, who is kind of that, you know, I don't even know if he's an under-radar free agent who probably will get paid this summer. Then you probably have the makings of, um, you know, maybe a back-end playoff team possibly. But don't get me too excited, Bobby. I don't <laughs> want to get too excited. Get a little ju- get a little jumpy. <laughs> back-end playoff team doesn't excite you? <laughs> hey, look, the Pistons are one of the – no one w- – I'm going to stop there. Um, and yeah, least during so- the pandemic, no one can make fun of the Pistons attendance. That's all I'm going to say. Um, uh, I look, I, I don't know what they're going to do. They could just say hey, one of the things we can do is one of the only teams with cap space is we're in a deep, deep rebuild to your point, right? They could go that route despite Dwayne Casey's presence, despite Blake Griffin's presence and say, someone is going to want to dump us a contract and attach maybe a first-round pick for it. I don't know. I mean, we're one of the only – like if Atlanta – I think Atlanta is going to use its cap space to try to win. I think Charlotte's going to use its cap space to try to win. New York, I don't have as good a read on. Um, we might be one of the only teams that can take a large salary dump that uh, uh, that can absorb someone dumping a large salary onto us and get a good asset for it. Maybe we'll do that. That's demoralizing for some of the fans and the, and the guys who are there. And, and Fred Van Vliet. He has a veteran's game. He's been around the playoffs. He's only 26. Like I and he's good. Like Fred Van Bleed's good. I you know, that's one guy that I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily rush to take myself out of that just because I I have this 
you know, ideal vision for, well, we're, we should be in asset accumulation mode. That's what the smart teams do, but let's be a smart team. Yeah. I mean, I think you can go, um, for the, I mean, I guess we could put Fred in and for this year's group, the A-list free agents. Um, I think where you get in trouble is Zach, when you miss out on the A-list free agents, and then all of a sudden you're taking that cap space and you're piecing it with role players on like two and three year contracts. I think that's where it really, and then it takes you out of the asset um, accumulation business. Like kind of like, like New York has the flexibility because they can just wipe the slate clean with all those guys they signed last uh, off season, you know, with uh, the Reggie Bullocks and the Wayne Ellingtons and the Bobby Portis. But, but what New York, what happened with New York was they, they spent all that money in 24 hours where basically when the Andre Iguodala trade happened to Memphis, they, they didn't have any money to take his salary on. Like Memphis was sitting in the, you know, in the, a perfect position. They had that, uh, I think they had that big trade exception to be able to take it and they got a good draft pick with it potentially. So I think you can't be in a rush just to go out and spend that money when you missed out on your, on your number one and even your number two guys. You think the Warriors trade their pick? Speaking of the Warriors, I, I Sorry think to put that, you on the spot. No, I think if I was golden state, I would trade my pick and I would move back in the draft um, to, to build out my bench I think if I can get two good players or one good player or maybe even a starter, and if I'm going from two to eight or two to nine um, and, and, and do something like that, I think that's that's more of the realistic. Do I think number two can get you a A-list, all-NBA type player? I don't. Could it, could, it, could it get you it six months from now and that number two pick all of a sudden blossoms into this stud? Potentially. But that's kind of the risk that you will – you'll you know, that's the risk that you have to, um, you know, go with yeah i i i did this with simmons last week where i threw out some fake warriors trades and I, most of them all of them i think were of the trade back for veteran help plus future assets variety and so one of the ones i pitched was number two to sacramento for 12 a top five protected future kings pick bayalitza and holmes thinking that those two guys and and i i said the sense i had gotten was that golden state would laugh at that trade and I kind of, as much as I like it in theory, I kind of get why. Because when you really break it down, 12 is 12, right? Like my expectation for number 12 is like, if I got a rotation guy out of that, like that's probably pretty good. Um, Bayalitsa and Holmes, like let's be honest, they're just not going to be a much long-term import to me, right? Those are like win the title this year, guys. Like they might not be on my team in a year. Future Kings pick, it sounds good. It's usually been a good thing to have. Not sure what it amounts to. And so like, is that really enough? For number two, is that like what of what of meaningful permanence is going to be on my roster if I make a trade like that and compared to the permanent meaning or long term meaning of if I just take whoever is there at number two and see what that player looks like in my system, what his value is at the trade deadline, if like a Bradley Beal becomes available or something like that. So I get that. I even think a trade back thing is going to be unless they just love it, unless they're just dead on sure this guy we can get at nine or eight or seven is like a stud. That's our guy. We think he's better than LaMelo and Wiseman or whoever. I think trading that far back, I get why I, I kind of, the more I thought about it, the more I kind of get it, um, which is why I still think flipping spots with Charlotte. And st- if you think the guy you really want is going to be there at three, but if the guy they want is Wiseman, then Charlotte's just going to be out of luck because the, they can't move up to get Wiseman. Then. Unless they yeah. move up to one. Yeah, I mean, the one thing I wrote about, and I was, I just really wrote about it because, from a financial sense, was you know taking two and going to ten and seeing what Kelly Oubre's availability is. 
right? I mean, he's on an expiring. Is he, um, you know, what what happened in Orlando? Does it make him more available as far as with the play of uh, Bridges and, and Johnson? And But that is a monster tax bill. <laughs> Man, that thing is, that's like a $70 million hit on taking Kelly Oubre back. And if he, but if those guys help you win. Yeah, it doesn't matter. You know, like you have Curry, Clay, and Draymond. Those dudes took you to five straight finals with oh, two of them with Kevin or three of them with Kevin Durant. Um, um, but you know, they deserve your all in commitment into their early to mid thirties. They deserve it. And your fans deserve it. And even if I'm just, even if all I care about is my, it, all I have is a craven addiction to what my public image is. Like if you spend now, if you just bite the bullet and spend whatever that tax bill is to try to win, I think the the goodwill from the fan base, I think people are going to understand they just made a huge commitment during a pandemic. We just built this gazillion dollar arena. No one can even go to it. They're not getting any revenue from that or whatever they're getting. I don't know. Like I, if all you care about is being showered with goodwill from your, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, like that, then spend the money. Do it now. You're trying. But but I think on a, on an ethical, not ethical, but I, I do think they owe Steph, Clay, and Draymond a good, honest shot to compete for the championship in the next couple of years. And by the way, Clay's coming off an ACL. Draymond's coming off a down year for him. We'll see how much of that was age and how much was just, I don't really, I'm not super psyched about getting like Jordan Poole open for DHOs. Um, and, and Steph is coming off a year away, which could be great for him. Could be great. All these dudes could be rejuvenated. They've just missed a lot of wear and tear after five years of super wear and tear. Um, but in the West, you know, those three guys, they're really good. You know, they really, they made the finals without KD the last time we saw them and they were damn near going to take game six from Toronto before Clay got hurt without, without KD. Um, you know, but in the West is tough. Like they, they, they could use a little, a little injection of something. Well, and that's why I, I would be, I'd be stunned if that seventeen million dollar trade exceptions or some of it is not used at all. I mean, that is their, you know, besides the number two pick and that Minnesota, that's that's their probably their third best non-player trade asset, right? Like, and you have like, you know, we're talking about this shortened off season, like, man, that, that thing's going to expire at the end of November. <laughs> I mean, if we get free agency starting in November 22nd or 23rd, I mean, that thing's going, that thing will probably expire on November 30th. Um, so you have a small window basically from the draft. You have like a two, a 12 day window from the draft until, um, Basically, when the moratorium, you know, whatever the moratorium is going to be, when it's lifted. Uh, let's do maybe one or two more rapid fire. Uh, extension eligible, Victor Oladipo. What is your prediction, Mister Marks? I, I think or Indiana will put in um, the max, the most they can offer him. I think it's four for one thirteen um, on on the table. Um, it's a smokes. Yeah, that's it. That's it because it's twenty percent off his number. So low. I mean, he's making what twenty one million. So it's twenty percent off that number. Yeah, so there there have been reports that Victor Oladipo is unhappy. He has refuted those reports. They have not gone away, despite his refutation of them. Um, he's been the most popular trade machine <laughs> in the <laughs> league in the last six months. I was going to say you spoiled it for me. I was going to say if I'm his agent, and and it has been reported by me and others that. For a hot second at the beginning of last season, they they broached the two sides broached the possibility of an extension and it didn't go anywhere. If I'm his agent, I'm looking at around at the market, looking at 
how he's played since a horrific injury, no fault of his own. Um, I'm trying to get back to the table for an extension again. And it seems from the public narrative that that bridge is burned and that would seem unlikely. I would not be shocked if they're back at the table. Let me just say carefully again what I said. I would not be surprised if they somehow got back at the table. And if if they offered, if I'm his agent and they offered me what you just said, I'm signing it on the spot. 113 million is hard to turn down when you're coming off that injury. And let's face it, he was not. I mean, he's still fight. He's still coming into form. And there's no guarantee at all in 2021, whatever the cap is going to be. And if he has a subpar year, that 26 to $27 million is going to be on the table from him, from Indiana or from another team. So, yeah, I would agree with you there that if that if that number is there and I am content in playing with the Pacers, then uh, I, I got to give that a hard look. Well, Miami was the hot name because Miami is Miami. They're Miami. They get big fish. They, they have, they're slated to have this cap yeah. room. I get it, but I don't know no. if you're in as that's a little bit. I think it's just because it's the all star, it's the name. Like I said, we- I said was, I said was because even if there was ever an is to the was, I just made the finals. I'm, I'm good. Like I'm, I'm good. You know, I'm, I made the finals, and uh, right now there's some questions about Victor Oladipo in terms of how he's recovered from an injury. I'm good. Like I'm just, I've moved on. Well, even if I was Brooklyn, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't entertain Karis Levert and Jared Allen for him. Like I don't know if I'm willing to. I don't even know if I'm willing to do go that route. That's a hard. That's a hard no for me. If yeah, I'm for, the, for that. I mean, then I got to pay the guy. Like where I got Karras on for the next, you know, three years, and and Jarrett's on a, um, you know, will be extension eligible. That for me, that's a, that's a no. Also, I'm starting to get talked into Levert as the centerpiece of a Drew Holiday deal. I, I've said before that I think the Nets would would hope to aim higher with Levert. And I've said that Levert is a centerpiece for Beal. You throw a Levert and a lot of stuff to get Beal. That's easy. Yeah. Pelton is all in. Kevin Pelton has written he would do Levert plus stuff for Drew Holiday now. I've been a little less sanguine about that trade from Brooklyn's perspective, but I, I may be guilty of liking Karras a little more than I should as a player. I'm starting to get talked into that because I do think Drew Holiday would fit that team really, really well. Um, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I've been probably more against Levert moving. I, I thought he could – I think he could be that third guy. But I love Drew Holiday, man. I think he is a heck of a player. And, you know, from a from a defensive standpoint, and if you can figure out something long-term and he's still in the prime of his career, um, you need – you. I mean, you need one of those type guys, those all NBA level defensive players, especially when we get towards the playoffs here. So I think, yeah, I think you could talk me into Drew Holiday. You could talk me into Bradley Beal. I'm not so sure anything after that you can talk me into. Drew Holiday is a is a tough discussion in the conference room because I do think you know everyone focuses on the skill overlap between Karis. And Durant and Kyrie, like, well, they don't need someone like Karras wants to isolate and score the ball and run pick and roll. And his catch and shoot three is like, you know, way below his pull up three, which is weird in terms of accuracy. It's not a great fit. I, I think that has been overstated. Like, all that is true. On the other hand, as, as Katie and Kyrie age a little bit, and by the way, both of them, Kyrie's been injury prone a long time now, and Katie's coming off an Achilles stare. Like, I'm not sure that I don't want a guy who does what Karis Levert does as as my third guy, and he's he's a little more 
reliable with the ball than Drew Holiday. He's a couple years younger. Like, I'm not sure that that line of thought leads me necessarily to, to rush to make that trade. But Drew Holiday is a cleaner fit. The other issue is, like, Drew Holiday has, what, one year left after this? Yeah, player, player option. option. Yeah. You know he's wherever he if he ever gets traded or if he stays in New Orleans, you know he's asking for an extension. And and yeah, you know, I, that's I, another guy on my list, right? I said the um, uh, and I think I wrote about it when they did their offseason. It was like if I'm looking, if I'm Jason Glushon as agent, if I'm looking for an extension, I'm looking at like Kyle Lowry type, like three for ninety, right? When Kyle signed that deal in um, in uh, Toronto, what was that in seventeen? I think that, that his contract, like that's probably what I would be looking for is that type of number. I've heard that comparison before. I think that's like that's like uh, Granny Smith apples to Macintosh apples or something. I don't. I don't quite. I just think Kyle's a little better. And even then, when he signed it, he was better. Yeah. Uh, he wasn't a champion then, uh, but I think he was better. Um, an easier, an easier fit because of his shooting with lots of different kinds of players. Um, that's a lot of money for Drew Holiday. That would that would that would scare me just a little bit, and I'm I'm not sure what the appetite is to give him that contract. Is I get the comparison, I I get it. I would certainly, if I were representing him, I would certainly be making it. Um, I Kyle Lowry would be unbelievable in Brooklyn, you know, even with Kyrie there, it'd be unbelievable anywhere, it'd be unbelievable wherever you want. That's why the Raptors are going to keep him, and I've kept him. Um, all right. We've hit a lot here. Yeah, we don't have a lot of time here, Bobby. It's it's uh, it's Halloween well, week. Well, the, the good thing is, Zach, we're still in the transaction moratorium. So, on the time this podcast comes out, it won't be you know nobody will be have traded. We think, right? When that moratorium, I've never had any Red Bull ever in my life. Well, I always said 2011 will, it will be the closest. 2011 will be the closest. Remember post lockout when basically like. We were still all learning how to the CBA. Like, hey, here's the CBA. We've got a conference call in an hour, and you can go sign guys, right? Like, we had training camp, and guys were like, who's that guy? Oh, it's Sean Williams. Yeah, we just signed him to a two-year deal. Like, you're just rolling guys in here. And, um, I mean, when that moratorium lifts, whew, good, good luck. Yeah, I've never tried Red Bull. It seems disgusting. I also have a little bit like I have a I have a little bit of like I'm a, I'm a habit former in terms like I I'm, I like routines and I, I get in my habits so I have to be very careful of what I select as my habits um, like it's a very good thing I never smoked a cigarette in my life because I probably would have liked it and become a smoker um, so I'm afraid if I try Red Bull I'm just instantly become addicted to it and it will ruin my entire life but when that moratorium lifts it's gonna be just complete madness it's gonna be but no one's been able to make a trade for a, like i don't even a long time yes it's the deadline february i'm getting i'm getting the shakes already <laughs> all right bobby marks you gotta go your stuff is always um is always fantastic on espn plus and uh we're, we're lucky to have you i hope your family's well and uh, i hope to see you soon in, in a non- in a non-digital virtual form at some point. Thanks, Zach. This was fun.
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply.